0: Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Almighty God, thank you for a chance to be in your house this morning, to experience you, to be open to your spirit and your leading, to respond as you call us. Father, we pray this morning that our hearts and minds might be open to you that we might not miss what you've called us here to this morning. Open us up, meet with us, and we'll give you the praise for you are such an awesome God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 13. We continue in the Gospel of John, and you remember that uh, the last half of the Gospel of John deals with that last week of Jesus' life. Uh, It took him a whole half gospel uh, to deal with that last week. Now, this morning we go to the upper room. And. In all of the other Gospels, what we hear about the upper room is that last meal that Jesus has with his disciples. But in the Gospel of John, it's not the meal that caught his attention. And it's not the meal that he shares with us. It's what happens right before the meal that catches John's attention. Look with me, if you would, at John chapter 13, beginning with verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast... So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said, Lord, are you going to wash my my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing. but..." Later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. May God add God's blessing, the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. You've just heard this week's Focus Scripture. Now on to the sermon, starting momentarily. This Lenten season. We've been taking a journey. We've been walking with Jesus this Lenten season, and, and I hope that uh, you would um, continue to walk with Jesus this Lenten season. Uh, don't, don't just uh, remember what happened, uh, but, but actually try to put yourself there. What would it have been like if you were there? We, we went to the tomb of Lazarus, you remember. That's where it all began. And at that tomb, Jesus calls Lazarus out alive. That's incredible. And, and what would it have been like to have been there? What would you have thought? What would have been going on in your mind? And then we went to the donkey pen. You remember that? We, we went there to, to pick up the donkey for Jesus. And as we were there, we heard all kinds of things that were going on. But it gave us a chance to separate a little bit from all the struggles, from all the trials, from all the hoopla, and step back and and really consider what was going on and find that peace in our lives. Uh, welcome to the donkey pen, by the way. That's part of what we do this morning is to step back and, and find that peace again. Remind ourselves that God's in control. We can back off and just kind of look. What's happening in your life? What's God doing? And take, take some time, deep breath, and it's okay because Jesus is coming. You remember that? This morning, we make our way to the upper room, and uh, as we head to the upper room, uh, I just want you to be clear about what John has shared with us was going on inside of Jesus. Now the only way he could know that is if he had at some point really talked to Jesus or the Holy Spirit had just opened up to him what Jesus was going through. But I want you to notice that the whole introduction to the upper room situation has Jesus reflecting on the fact that this is now coming to a close. He's getting close to the point where he is going to offer his life on behalf of his disciples. He, he's coming to the end of his life. Uh, unlike you and I, we, we don't know when we're going to die. Uh, sometimes doctors try to tell us that, but they don't really know. Um, and be careful. When a doctor tells you that, you look at him and say, when did you become God? <laughs> it really gets them. They love it. <laughs> no, no, a good doctor will tell you, well, we don't really know, right? But we'll give you an idea of what people usually go through what I want you to hear is that when you get towards the end when you're coming towards the end uh, uh, and you know things are are getting close you want to stop and you want to talk to the people you care about the most and you want to share with them from your heart how much you love them isn't that true I I mean, I've I've been with, maybe you haven't been in that situation, Uh, pastors tend to be in that situation more than I suppose most. Uh, But I've been in that situation a lot, and I've seen where family members will call their loved ones in and say, I want to talk to, while I can, I want to tell them something. I want to tell them. I want to tell them that I love them. And and sometimes they get very specific about things they want their loved ones to know. It's the, the end, so they're Very careful what they say. Jesus is headed to the upper room. This is the moment when he has an opportunity, probably, well, actually the last time before his resurrection, the last time to really share with his disciples from his heart. And he's got them all together. And the scripture says he wants to show them the full extent of his love. He wants to show them how much he truly loves them. And here they are, gathered together, and something's been happening that, that we weren't really privy to while John was helping share with us Jesus' heart. What's been happening is the disciples are sitting there, and they've come to the upper room, and tradition demanded that somebody go around and wash everybody else's feet. You see, when you walk through Palestine, you usually walked with sandals or bare feet, and your feet got dirty with the dust and the dirt in the road. And when you sat down to eat, it was... Only proper that usually the servant of the house would come and wash everyone's feet so that their feet were clean. But they had rented this upper room, or maybe rent is a borrowed this upper room, shall we say. And so there was no servant there to do the job. And so I can imagine everyone was standing there thinking, who's going to wash people's feet? And if they were anything like we are, and I'm assuming they are, they probably thought, well, certainly it shouldn't be me. Because after all, uh, Judas, I'm sure, was thinking, you know, I'm the treasurer of this group. I have responsibilities. Certainly I I shouldn't have to wash everybody else's feet. And then Peter was probably saying, well, you know, I'm the spokesman for this group, and and certainly, the spokesman shouldn't be going around washing people's feet. What, what, what would that say? And then James was probably saying, You know, I'm the president of this group. And, you know, I'm in, uh, it wouldn't look right if I went and washed everybody else's feet. And then, of course, John was probably saying, You know, <laughs> hey, I'm Jesus' best friend. Certainly, <laughs> certainly not me. Now, you may be saying, well, uh, hey, I would have jumped right in and washed everybody's feet. Uh, I, I'd, I'd like to challenge you on that. I, I have to laugh when, when there are, is garbage that has been dumped on the floor in the hallway. I, I watch people. And I got to admit, when I get there, I look at it and I think, not my job. What about you? Do you walk by and say, well, hmm, it's not my job. Oh, look, there's garbage on the floor. Now Sue, of course, stops and picks it up, because it's her job. What do you do? How do you respond? I think it's interesting uh, to put it on our level, isn't it? There are times when we pass by, people are hurting because, well, I don't know how to deal with that, and that's not my job, and... I'm busy? You ever get busy? No one here, I'm sure, is ever busy. Um, I, I'm reminded of my, our, our, our theme story here at Greenfield. You remember the one in Luke chapter 10. Uh, you can't forget it. I, I hope you remember it. it. It's the one that we call it the Good Samaritan. You remember that story, right? And all the religious people walked by on the other side, the Scripture says. Why did they walk by on the other side? Well, they had a myriad of excuses. I don't have to give them to you. For the same reason we do. Someone's broke down on the side of the road. Well, I don't want to stop. What if... Someone uh, is sitting off in the corner by themselves. I don't want to go there. I don't know them. They don't know me. How would they respond? How should I respond? I don't know. Too many questions. I think I'll just keep walking by. Now, before you get real um, sure of yourself, I, I, I know many of you may be sitting there thinking, Well, you know, that wouldn't be me. I'm always one to stop. I'm always one to help. I'm always one to pick up. My guess is there's a place where the wall sits in your life. That's not my guess. I'm convinced we all have that spot where the wall sits. Where's that spot for you? What's interesting is Jesus... Jesus picks up the basin, wraps the towel around himself, and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. And the Scripture is very clear. The reason he does that is not because he says, well, somebody's got to do it. And not because he says, well, you know, if no one else is going to do it, I'll do it, and we'll get it done with, and we can move on. No, the reason Jesus does that, the reason why Jesus picks up the basin, fills it with water, and what, bless you, washes everybody's feet, is simply to show them what? That he loves them. Thank you. Loves them. Thank you, Kenny. It's after Valentine's Day. Kenny, this whole trip is going to show us clearer and clearer the love of Jesus every step of the way. And that's what we're all about. And here Jesus wants to show them how much he loves them. So he picks up the bowl, and he begins to wash their feet. How many of you have ever had your feet washed? Raise your hand. Okay, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Um, If you didn't like the feeling, put your hand down. Okay. Yeah, I I, I know sometimes it's kind of weird. Sometimes it feels really nice. Um, But there's that, that oddity going on there. Can you imagine the disciples? Now, for them to have their feet washed was a daily occurrence. Happened over and over and over again. But on this day, Jesus began to wash their feet. See, in the upper room, it was Jesus who took the basin. And began to wash their feet. Now, there are some things about foot washing that we need to be aware of. Because I think it will help us understand what Jesus was doing. First of all, foot washing requires humility, doesn't it? Uh, If you're going to wash someone else's feet, you have to get down on your knees. And quite frankly, you have to get your hands dirty. Um, And... And, you know, everyone who cleans understands that when you clean something else, you get dirty. Did you ever notice that? It's almost like you take that dirt on yourself. Now, you're not supposed to, but that's kind of the way it works. And so whenever you're washing something else, you tend to get dirty. And that's, that's the way cleaning tends to happen. You have to have a humility. You have to be willing to take the dirt to get something else clean. Now some of you I know are kind of OCD and you put these gloves on and you kind of, uh, you know, you stand at a distance and you scrub. And, but but I, w- I, would, I would challenge you that even while you do that, your body begins to sweat and guess what? You get dirty. Something about cleaning something else makes you dirty. And the truth of the matter is that when Jesus got up and began to wash their feet, he was showing to them exactly what he's going to do for them. For you see, what Jesus did was he cleansed them by taking his, their dirt upon him. You see, he cleansed us by taking our dirt upon him. You see, there was this process where he was willing to take our sin upon himself so that we could be clean. He offered to clean us, and He took our dirt upon Himself. He didn't have to do that. You see, He was perfect. He never did anything wrong. He he never lied. He never cheated. He never did anything to to offend the Heavenly Father. He did exactly what His Father called Him to do. He saw what God was doing, and He got involved. He, He cared for one another. He loved everybody. He loved the worst of the worst of the worst. He loved them all. So because he was clean, he could clean us. But in so doing, he took our dirt upon himself. And that's what the cross is all about. You see, he paid the price for our sin so that we could be clean. He humbled himself. The God of God, Lord of Lords, humbled himself to take our dirt Upon himself, in Philippians, uh, the Apostle Paul writes it this way: uh, G- Jesus, who being very in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to His own advantage. Rather, He made Himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Do you see how, how he, from from glory, He came, became a human being, took on a servant role. And you and I both know we look at servants as less than, don't we? And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. And you have to understand, for for first century Palestinian Jews, the worst curse of all would be to be crucified. And He was willing to do all that to make us clean. That's how much He loves us. Now if we're going to follow Him, then that would mean we would begin to humble ourselves, would we not? So it's not my position that's important. It's my service that is important. It's not who I am. It's who I can be. It's not how important my place is. It's how exalted I can lift Him. You with me? That's what humility is, is all about. It's not a basement, by the way. I, I, I see people all the time. Oh, well, I'm only a poor person with nothing to... Uh, that, that's, what, that's not what Jesus is looking for. Jesus was still Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Almighty God. But what he did was, despite his position, he lowered himself to help you and to me, to love each other, to, to really love others. That's what he did. That's what he calls us to. Can you really love someone that much? Washing requires humility. Being willing to lift the Lord Jesus up and to serve each other. And washing is a two-party experience. Did you ever notice that? Washing is two-party. Somebody has to wash the feet, and the other one has to have their feet washed. Right? It takes two. Um, it's a two-party experience, and because we're in the middle of the election, uh, I had to share with you and remind you, because I don't want you to forget, uh, because you see it every day on TV. So I want to remind you that we're in the middle of the election, and this is the way uh, our two-party system has been working of late. Is that not true? Uh, one party is, and I don't care which party you're on, one party is looking at the other party, and they are at loggerheads face-to-face, ready to beat it up. Isn't that, isn't that what's going on? I, one of the problems in our government right now, I don't know if you think it's a problem, but I do, one of the problems in our government is we no longer work together. <clears throat> We work opposed to one another. Isn't that true? Uh, So if I'm a Democrat and you're a Republican, then we don't work together because we want the Democrats to do better than the Republicans, or vice versa. And I'm not telling you which I am. That's just uh, an illustration. Jesus, on the other hand, steps into Peter's life and says to Peter, this is a two-party experience. If you really want to be a part of me, we have to do this, listen, together. Peter says, don't, you're not washing my feet, Jesus. Jesus says, hey, if you want to be a part with me, then you have to allow me to wash your feet. You have to follow me. You have to be together with me. You can't decide that you don't want me to be a part of your life here, and you can't, I can be a part of your life there. If you want me to be a part of your life, I have to be a part of all of your life. It's a two-party experience. And then Jesus says, furthermore, if you want to follow me, you have to do this two-party experience with each other. So we got all the basins set up out back and as you leave now. <laughs> what Jesus is saying is if you really want to be a part of my body, if you want to be one with me and with each other, then you need to be busy washing each other's feet. What does that mean? Well, first of all, that means serving one another, correct? Most of all, it means loving one another. But it also means being willing to forgive one another. Because isn't that really what Jesus is showing? That he's willing to forgive them and wash them? So are you willing to do those things? Are, are you willing, first of all, to work together? Maybe that's the easiest one. You can kind of step back and say, yeah, yeah, I, I can work with so-and-so. I, I may not like them, but I can work with them. But are you willing to love them, Jesus would say. In other words, are, are you willing to, to serve them, care for them, watch over them, Now, stop a minute, because Peter wasn't the only one there. Peter was the one who would deny him, and yet Jesus, in love and grace and forgiveness, goes to Peter before Peter even denies him. Jesus knows, the Scripture's clear, Jesus knows Peter's going to deny him. even calls him out on it, and yet he washes his feet. Judas, Judas is there. The betrayer. Jesus washes Judas' feet. Nothing says Judas left before Jesus washed his feet. Jesus was willing to offer Judas a, a chance to be forgiven. And Jesus, Judas, ah, yeah, this is cool. Wash my feet. Yeah, certainly, Jesus. Uh, that's neat. I had to, my feet were dirty. They needed to be washed. One of the things that concerns me about worship, I'm glad you're here. Don't, don't get me wrong. But I sometimes think people go to worship because they can check off their spiritual report card. Huh? I made it to worship today. God's got to love me now. They miss the whole point. Jesus brought you here this morning. He called you to come so that you could wash someone else's feet and so that they could wash yours. It's a two-party experience. And if all you do is come and expect your feet to be washed, you'll miss what Jesus is doing. Worship is not something to check your spiritual uh, spiritual card report card. Worship is an opportunity to experience the love of God and to share that love of God with someone else here this morning. And the neat thing is there's a whole lot of people here who understand this is a two-party thing and they're looking for you. So you might want to keep your feet or your shoes tied tightly. No, they want to touch you. They Not touch you physically. They want to touch you spiritually. They want to hear what's going on in your life. They, they want to share with you. And too often we miss what worship's all about because we come and we, we go through the songs and we sing the songs and that feels pretty good and, and then and we hear this awesome sermon. and Well, okay. Sometimes Kenny says, well, we hear a sermon uh, and, 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 and then, and then we, we hear the prayers, we offer the prayers and then we go home. And we think, well, at least my feet are clean but the, you really didn't experience God at all. Jesus wants you to know how much he loves you. And he wants you to share that love with somebody else. This morning. That's what foot washing is all about. Jesus said, I, your teacher, have washed your feet. You also should wash one another's feet. Forgive one another. Love one another. Work together. It's a two-party thing. And lastly, I want you to see that, that washing feet um, only does part of the job. And a lot of people like their feet being washed, but they don't want to be clean. Now, I, I do need to say something. If you, if you pull out your, your Connect card, um, Ann said I was getting a little personal this week. Um, because I ask questions, there are questions on there like, well not questions, there are places to, to check. Uh, um, and, and I just want to be very clear about some things now, now that you're reading that. Um, when, when I say, when, I, when, when the question asks if you are washing regularly, uh, I'm not talking about physically, I'm assuming that. <laughs> Maybe a big assumption, but I'm assuming that. I want to know if you're spiritually becoming clean. Have you spiritually become clean? You see... Jesus knew that Peter wanted to follow him, believed in him, would do anything, was was in the process of, of becoming more and more like Christ all the time. Yeah, he wasn't perfect yet. He still needed his feet washed, but his heart was right with Jesus. And so Jesus knew that he needed not to be clean spiritually over his whole body, over his whole spiritual self, because he's already believing. He's already following. He knows that. It's his feet that needed to be washed. Unfortunately, Jesus says there's somebody here who isn't clean yet and of course he was referring to Judas Judas who liked to have his feet clean but didn't want to be changed in his heart And so he was really unclean even though his feet were washed. Even though he was willing to have Jesus minister to him, he wasn't willing to put Jesus first in his life and truly begin to follow him. He wasn't willing to give his life to Jesus. He was plenty happy with Jesus washing his feet. This morning, Jesus wants to wash you totally clean, spiritually. You see, without Christ, we are sinners. We're dirty. Jesus wants to wash you all the way through so that you are clean. But the only way that will happen is if you let Him come into your life and cleanse you, forgive you, wash you. My guess is there are people here today who have never done that. You may have come to worship for years. and You've been getting your feet washed every week. It's great. It's good to be in fellowship with other believers. It is great to be in fellowship with believers. The question is, are you in fellowship with other believers? In other words, are you a believer yourself? Do you really believe in Jesus? And, and here's something I want to push this morning. Because we have a, a symbol that Jesus gave us to help us see visually what God has done spiritually in our hearts. And that is the symbol of baptism. A lot of people like to have their feet washed, but they're not willing to let Jesus wash them from head to toe. And this morning, Jesus is calling you to take that next step. To truly be committed, to be just totally washed by Him. So that when you come to wash somebody else's feet, you come clean yourself. So that when you, come, when you come in humility, you come understanding that Jesus in His humble love has forgiven you. And that gives you the courage and the strength and the power and the grace to forgive someone else. And it's through, symbolized through baptism. Jesus is calling you to follow Him. Not partway, but all the way. Judas was only go partway. Jesus is looking for those who would go all the way. And show this world His true love. And you can't do that unless you've experienced the fullness of His love in your own life. So you ready to take the dip? You ready to go all the way? you going to stop doing partway ministry? You're going to jump all the way in? I love doing baptisms. Are you finally ready to say, okay, I want to show the world that this is what I believe and I'm going to let Jesus wash me from head to toe? I'd be glad to stand in the baptistry here with you. Or we can go to the lake. I'd, I'd prefer if you wait till summer if you're going to do that. But hey... If you're committed, I might do it right now if you want to go out to the lake and show the world this is what you really believe. Jesus said this, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But who does not, whoever does not believe will, not be, will be condemned. I want to be clear about something. Baptism will not save you. If you just get baptized because you, you, you think it'll look good or you think people think better of you or you can become a member of the church. By the way, I try to separate those things. Baptism is not a, a, um, a right to make you a member of the church. Baptism is something you do because you want the world to know that you've made a commitment to Jesus Christ, that he has washed you from head to toe, that he has forgiven you, that he has taken your sins from you. It's so symbolic. It shows the world that you believe that when you die, Jesus is going to come and pick you up out of that grave. It shows the world that when you you accepted him, you believe that Jesus came and he dipped you in that water, that spiritual water, and he's washed you clean, that he has taken your sins from you. It shows that you believe that Jesus died and rose again from the dead. And because of that, you will be able to live for him and share his love for others. Do you really believe that? Have you made that commitment? Are you holding back? This morning, I encourage you to step forward. Stop playing church. Start being church. Start following Jesus. 100% commitment. That's what he's looking for. (laughs) Peter was almost there. A couple of days later, he would blow it. But Judas, he was just playing the game. Where are you at? I want to tell you about Ignis Samuel Weiss. Um, interesting man. He was born in 1818, and he uh, became a physician. When he was born, one in six women who gave birth would die. One in six women who gave birth would die. And what would happen is, the doctors would, in the first thing in the morning, would go to uh, the morgue and dissect and discover and do autopsies. And they'd go from there right to to examining patients. And they would never stop to wash their hands. Samuel Wise figured it out. And he began to wash his hands. And so for 11 years, he watched. And as he washed his hands between doing the autopsies in the morning, examining the women who were going to give birth, he discovered that his death rate of his patients changed to 1 in 50. He had 1 in 50 as opposed to 1 in 6. So during the vigor of his life, what he did was he began to teach the doctors that this is, he lectured from place to place. He said, this is what you need to do. You simply, I'm not asking you to do something incredible. All I'm asking you to do is stop, take a minute, and wash your hands between the autopsy and examining patients. And they looked at at him and they said, Doctors and midwives have been delivering babies for thousands of years and they've never washed their hands. So why should we believe you, a Hungarian crazy man? He died at age 47. Insane. Medical community still laughing in his face. His wash basins left un- unused. Unused. And millions of women dying every day, every year, simply because the doctors would not wash their hands. King David, when he had turned from God and gone his own way and realized that he had had made himself incredibly dirty, cried out to God, wash me, wash me. And God came and forgave him and washed him. Jesus said, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. This morning it would be a shame if you were to walk out of here still dirty spiritually when all you would have to do is come to Jesus and ask Him to forgive you. That's all you have to do. Just come to Him and ask Him. And He will come, and He will forgive you. That's all you have to do. It's not rocket science. You don't have to do a hundred different things. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to be anything. All you have to do is say, Jesus, forgive me, and He will do it. It would be sad to me that you would rather die, spiritually die, When all you would have to do is ask Him to forgive you. I beg you, I beg you this morning to say yes to Him. He loves you that much. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank You for our time together and just for Your willingness to come and forgive us. And Lord, there have been times this week that we have goofed up and we need Your forgiveness. Come and wash our feet. uh, Make us clean again. Be with those, Lord, who have never said yes to you today, Lord Jesus. May they do just that simple act of asking you to come into their lives, that they might be clean from head to toe as as you have washed us. Lord, uh, come and wash them. Uh, Lord, touch their hearts. Help them to see the truth of what you're saying this morning. Lord Jesus, we pray that as we gather here, as we serve you together, we would do whatever it takes to show your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.